Hello and welcome to Career View Mirror. I'm your host, Joyelle Crawford, and today's very special guest is David Vioncheck. And you know that I like to grow leaders for a living. David, he fixes careers for a living. So he helps his clients achieve their goals, whether they're large or small, as an executive resume writer, certified professional career coach, just like me. He's helped unfulfilled, stressed, underpaid professionals find more meaningful, better paying work. Leveraging his years of experience in HR, training and development, recruiting and resume writing, he designs realistic strategies to help his clients land interviews, earn promotions, and develop key professional skills. Now he's worked with giant corporations, small startups, medium-sized nonprofits, and nimble agencies. He uses his diverse experience and creative energy to enhance his clients' documents, both in print and online. He's obsessed with providing the highest caliber of service for each of his clients. And if you're serious about accelerating your career, he's the one to work with. So I am very, very excited to have you on the podcast. David, welcome. Joyelle, wow. I need to hire you as my hype woman. That was incredible. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I work with others and I help them uh, sort of fine tune their professional brand. But clearly, you know, I could I could use someone like you for, for me as well. So I think we can all use that that uh, that third party support. But I love that. Thank you so much for that energized and, and eloquent introduction. I appreciate you. Oh, you're so welcome. So what experience, you know, I love to dive into the whole purpose of Careerview Mirror is so that we can look at your career past so others can pave their career future. And, you know, so many people are involved in the great resignation and, and, and realizing different things that inspired them to take another step. What experience inspired you to get into the business of fixing careers? That's, I love, I love that pointed question, j- jumping right into it. So I myself had kind of vacillated and, and jumped from various companies as an employee. Mm-hmm. So in the great, I guess call it the great recession of 2000, circa 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. um, I took the first job that I could because the, the, the pickings were rather slim. Uh, you know, there, there weren't many jobs out there. So I took a glorified uh, customer service job. So we were working with, um, mostly senior level executives, people with, you know, at least director or VP, C-suite titles who came to that website mm-hmm. and uh, expected jobs. The problem was because the economy was tanking, there really weren't any jobs. So I fresh out of college, you know, in my early 20s, um, basically very little, you know, I had been a lifeguard prior, but n- no real office experience was mm-hmm. now charged with helping executives of America you know, navigate their careers in a great recession. So I was thrown into the deep end, like beyond deep end, like the very deep end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I, you know, that was rough in the moment, right? Sometimes the the lessons learned uh, are kind of really, really rough in the moment. And then later on, we can kind of look back in the, in the career view mirror Mm -hmm. and see sort of the, the, the beauty in them. But I was, you know, they weren't happy, you know, and so they weren't necessarily happy with the landscape uh, of the job market. Mm -hmm. And of course, many people uh, took that out on us, right? And they didn't know that, I mean, maybe maybe they did know, but they were in dire straits. So they didn't necessarily care that we ourselves, like I, you know, as a customer service representative, had no control over the the, the global and the US market. So I did the best I could Mm -hmm. to sort of 
empathize with them. And I think that's really when I started to grow my empathy skills, which have served me so well in my in my uh, private business. So that's how I got into the kind of the industry of serving others right mm-hmm. after college, my first full time job, like I said, throw, throwing me into the deep end. Yes. Yes. It seems like almost all of our first jobs have felt like that, you know, where there's no preparation. It's kind of like, here you go. There's no training. You just kind of learn on the job as you go. I think my first, my first foray into human resources was employee relations. It's like the nittiest, grittiest side of HR that you could possibly start in. And I had no experience in doing that, but you know, you leverage your transferable skills and also hone into, into, to strengths that you, um, you almost didn't even know you had, which is your empathy. Uh, You know, I know that this isn't even something that we had planned on, but I really wanted to, to tap into what do you think, um, helped you build your empathy skills with, working with those clients, those, when you first started in your, in your new business? As a yeah, well, I, I think there are so many ways to answer that question. I'm, at the very least, this was my first job and I wanted to kind of prove myself that I could, you know, do my first job. It was, it was an entry level. It was an entry level. So it's not like I was doing, you know, C-suite type of decision-making, mm-hmm. but I wanted to, you know, I was like, Hey, I need to prove myself in this entry level first job. The other thing is, I think I've always been an empathetic human being. You know, mm-hmm. something that comes to mind is, you know, sometimes you watch these like, you know, funniest videos back in the day, you know, America's Funniest Video. Now it's like TikTok right. or whatever. And some people, you know, like there's that sort of quintessential someone slips on a banana peel and everyone laughs. I've always cringed. Like, yeah. I guess it's funny on some level, but I've always empathized with with the victim or the person who's la- being laughed at. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been something that's always been innate to me. Yeah. And then once I started kind of applying that in in a professional setting, I realized that people don't always need an answer. Um, you know, sometimes they, they, they think they need an answer or they expect an answer, but at the very core, they just want to be heard and listened to and validated. And sometimes you can kind of, you know, calm them down and, 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 and you know, explain to them what they can do. They're a little bit more receptive because they hear that you care on some level yes. that you're, you're not just a, you know, a cog in the wheel, that you really care. You want them to, to feel supported and heard. And so that was like that, sort of maybe that one of those first light bulb moments for me where I was like, even if I don't have all the answers then I can't solve all of their problems, at the very least, I can listen to another human being and make them feel heard. Oh my goodness. And that's, that's lessons learned that employers need to hear. I mean, this nugget is good for first time employees. These are good for people who are already working, managers, Mm -hmm. leaders of people. It's so important, um, even just as an individual contributor to to uh, strengthen that empathy muscle. Um, You might not have all the answers, but being able to kind of see where they're coming from um, and to to know that it probably also helped um, kind of de-escalate some of the situations. Like you said, they were kind of like pushing on you that you were responsible for helping them find these things. But, you know, as we know, as coaches, it's really the client that's responsible for taking the lead and pushing themselves where they need to go. Um, but yeah, oh, that's, that's, so, that's such good goodness. Um, th- and thank you for dropping that gem. I did want to ask you, so that's, we're talking about the warm and the fuzzy, but recently you experienced a life challenging event and that impact, that impacted how and why you do the work that you do. So can you share with uh, the audience a little bit about what happened? Yeah, well, I mean, I've had, I think as most human beings, certainly the, the types of people that I serve and I work with, everyone has challenges, whether they're financial or, or medical or, or, you know, psychological, anything. So 
for me to serve other people with challenges is like almost routine. I don't make light of that, but it is common. I mean, that's, that's what I do all day long. Right. Um, last year though, I had my own sort of, um, medical issue where for two months I was completely out of commission. Like there was just all of these symptoms that were kind of unexplained and I'm good now magically, Thanks. but there were two months where I, thank you so much. Yeah. There were two months where I, I basically, I, I wasn't, uh, forced into a sabbatical because I couldn't work. And so, uh, it wasn't like I was burning out. Again, I, I'm I'm really big on, you know, creating balance and buffers into my schedule. So it wasn't like I was, you know, being a hypocrite and working myself to the bone. And then mm-hmm. I got sick. Mm-hmm. It just came out of nowhere in, in kind of in the middle of, of a really, really wonderful, awesome summer. So, you know, sometimes medical mysteries happen that way. So for two months last year, I was, like I said, out of commission. I wanted to help my clients. Uh, you know, they were also in dire straits. They were yes. also going through the pandemic. They were also going through... Um, you know, tons of issues of their own. But I realized, you know, boundaries, like, I have to take care of myself before I can take care of anyone else. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, fundamental. And yet, and yet, I have to kind of learn, I have to, I remember that moment where I, I basically have to email all my clients and say, I'm, I need to check out for, for a while, I, you know, here are some resources, here are other people that you can kind of tap into, here's some articles, you know, but I will not be available for the, you know, for the interim. And, not a single person gave me, you know, crap for it. I think everyone realized that, first of all, I had been supporting them so effectively until that moment. And, you know, everyone expressed concern and, and, and support and no one gave me a hard time for, you know, putting myself first that time around. So that was, um, that was last summer 20, I guess, 2021. Yeah. And that was, again, amid a, a global pandemic. So there were yes. so many, many layers to that. Yeah. So many. And you know, what I think is beautiful is that your clients reflected the same empathy that you give them back to you. Um, and there's something wonderful yeah. about the reciprocal effect mm. of, of giving empathy, the power of giving empathy, and not only giving it to your clients, but to yourself, where you were just like, I just, I just can't, I yeah. can't do anymore for everyone. I've got to take some time out for myself. Did you, okay. So I'm a type a workaholic type person. So I do burnout. I run myself to the ground, um, and, and have experienced burnout as an entrepreneur. And as when I was in corporate talk about it in the book, but it's just, what did you, did you have any moments because it sounds like you have good boundaries, but did you have any moments at all where you were like freaking out about the future of your work or were you just so concentrated on your health that, yeah, you know, like, I, so were there any freak out moments during this recovery time? Uh, yeah, again, it was two months of, I, I was, it, it was, I was basically, I felt like completely useless to the world and to everyone around me. And again, I'm usually the person people come to with these yes. issues with, with problems. So it was an interesting sort of reverse, reversal of, 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 you know, the tables being turned. Um, there were definitely moments where I was like, wow, after the first month, I was like, you know, the year had been good to me in terms of revenue and in terms of, you know, general, like, you know, client load and all that volume. So everything was fine until that moment. Um, but I really, I, my brain was not functioning, you know, like I, my body was literally shutting down. So I didn't have even the luxury of thinking like, oh, you know, when will I get back to work? I was just like, I'm basically like done. I I, I wasn't in the hospital or anything. I was at home recovering, uh-huh. but um. But yeah, I mean, I think probably if I, if I, you know, if my mind were working, I'd probably be freaking out. But I was like, hey, I, right now I just need time for myself. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a huge proponent of, of sabbaticals for sort of proactively, right? Yes. Um, for, for many of my clients. 
um, I had never, you know, gotten to the point. I mean, I've had weeks where I've been busy and, you know, certain yeah. days where you work, work later, but right. I've, I've almost consistently not worked weekends or, or holidays. So those boundaries are, are, are kind of embedded in my work. So again, this didn't feel like, oh, I, it was my fault. Like, I didn't feel like I brought this upon myself. Right. It really was like a freak, I don't know what, you know, mystery virus or whatever it was. And it, it, uh, it wasn't COVID, strangely. So, um, so there are other things out in the world other than COVID, right? There are so we many. And to forget that. Yeah. But there are things out there. So you were really, honestly, you just went into almost like how a phone goes into power save mode. You were just exactly. like, I got, I can't even, yeah. no nope. more calls, no more texts, nope. no more work. And I strangely, I'm healing. I love that you're, you're an, an astro at like creating analogies. I love, I love that for, uh, you know, when I hear that from, from your end. So um, it really did feel like that. I was like sh shut down. Um, but I also knew that, you know, my body needed it. My, my, my brain needed it. So I knew that, you know, I mean, I was hopeful that eventually I'd come out of this mess. And that year I still uh, was more sort of financially, I still had made more money than any year prior, even with taking two months off. I mean, so that to me, I think because I had had such a good year leading up until that moment, um, and also, again, summers tend to be a little bit slower with my type of work, mm -hmm. um, which is great because yes. people do take time off and people go on vacation, as do I. So I, you know, it's it's never like t terribly strange when when volume dips. I, I actually kind of enjoy it and build my build my business around that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think once kind of fall started rolling in, that's when I got a little bit concerned. I was like, you know, hopefully, you know, and I, I was starting to get better. I was like, OK, so I don't want to rush back into work. I don't want to, you know, get myself thicker. Yes. But that's when I started to kind of have some of those concerns, like, you know, when will I be able to have, you know, at least like, you know, 75% of, of workload back. And again, it took the whole ordeal was really about two months. Wow. And then after that, you know, actually, immediately after that, my, my grandmother passed away, which oh. would have, which is, you know, obviously a, a terrible thing. Um, but she was almost 100. It, she was totally ready. It was her, her time to go. Um, so I actually flew amidst the pandemic in Omicron to Poland to bury my beloved grandmother and but I but that point I was already feeling much better and stronger and so that was actually kind of like the beginning of the end for that for that illness and then I kind of came back and rounded out my fall and and, and had a pretty good fall and and winter in terms of like the business side of things oh that's fantastic and I'm sorry about your grandmother mm. thank um, you but it was lovely that you were able to you know, be able Visit. to travel, yes. you know, have the energy enough because yes. you put yourself first and healed and yep. came back. Do you see coming out of that experience, David, did you, do you see work differently? Do you approach your work differently now? Well, for me, I think intellect until that moment, intellectually, I always knew, okay, put yourself first, be strong, mm -hmm. you know, take care of yourself. And I actually did those things. Again, I, I want to be huge on, even though I am a perfectionist, sometimes I'm also, I love to take long walks with my dog every day. I like to jog. I, you know, I like to create fun, you know, silly things like an hourglass out of swatches. So I, I, I make <laughs> a lot of time for fun in my, in my every day, um, but I intellectually knew that it was important to do so. After going through this ordeal myself on my own skin, I understood it in, on such a more, um, not even cerebral, but like a heart level. I was like, now I definitely understand the, the value of taking care of yourself and making sure that you put yourself first. So I knew it intellectually and I was doing all the right steps before. Yeah. Now I've actually like internalized it. I think it's like embedded in my DNA. Yes. It's steered in there. It's been in there. So it's like a lived experience. Do you yep. see it? Do you see yourself leaving its imprint on, on the work that you do with your clients? Cause I know that when I 
have experienced really deep lived experiences. I find myself coaching proactively to make sure that my clients don't, you know, experience the same, same types of things. Like, you know, the emotional pieces that you were going through. Do you find yourself leaving, um, you know, fingerprints, you know, of, of that experience um, in your coaching now? Yeah. And I actually think that a hundred percent, I think that started, um, I think it's always been on some level because I'm in, I'm in a sort of an EQ empath, but through COVID, I think I, I saw what was going on. I maintained my business through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it continued growing. I was good. You know, I continued to work from home. I've been working from home like years and years prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. So for me, there was nothing that changed sort of for the negative. Meanwhile, all these people around me were struggling. Um, so I, I already felt that, again, on a cerebral intellectual level, I felt that for other people. But then going through my own little sort of crisis or not so though, um, I think, again, it, it really, it made me like, it allowed me to like more deeply, deeply appreciate what other people are, are going through. So knowing something intellectually is great, yes. but I think it's not the same as like having that empathy, having that compassion, having that patience with other people. Um, the other thing I should add is people often come to me, you know, new clients who are already at the cusp of or, or already burnt out. So, you know, actually, you know, it's nice when I occasionally get the client who's actually good and wants to prevent burnout and they're being proactive for whatever reason, those people are rare or maybe they're not attracted to me. Um, I think, you know, because of my reputation, I tend to get people back into action mode uh, within, within reason, people come to me for those solutions. So um, a lot more, a lot more people than not tend to already be at the cusp or are in the throes of burnout. So, you know, I guess we got uh, our work cut out for us, huh? Yeah, we do. I mean, do you mind sharing without like giving away all your secrets? Do you mind sharing any tips for our listeners uh, about how to uh, prevent work burnout? Because I mean, it's happening. It's a real thing. People are really struggling. Um, You know, we're two and a half years, almost three years into this new um, world of work. Um, Do you have any like nuggets or tips to share with some of our listeners? Yeah, I, I'm always happy to share. And I think, uh, you know, I, I wish I had sort of magic secrets that I could uh, kind of uh, di- dispel myths and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's uh, a couple of things. I think when people come to me or any other coach, they're already at a point where they've gone through some crap and they realize things aren't working. Mm-hmm. So they're already receptive. So being receptive to trying new things, being receptive to putting, uh, clicking, uh, you know, the pause button, being receptive to other people's ideas and insights. Um, but I think being receptive to change is the, is the one thing or probably the only thing that makes, that makes a difference. So yes, people who come to me tend to be at the cusp or in the throes of burnout, but they're also realizing like I've had enough. I've realized that sometimes this is external, maybe like, you know, pandemic or boss toxic, blah, blah, blah. But then they also realize they're um, sort of that internal locus of, of control. They realize they've, they've enabled it. Yes. or they've allowed it or they've kind of you know put their head down and worked hard but then have seen you know that they've been miserable and they've gotten ulcers and headaches and migraines and lost weight or gained weight but they haven't done anything about it so just uh, just sort of being being receptive to change is, is is something that that has you know tends to work and also as a coach I have this fundamental belief, and sometimes I actually say it at the start of an engagement. I, I don't always say it, but it's something to the tune of, 
I believe that every human being is already complete and full and resourceful and resilient. Ah. So the, the answers are, are already within. Mm -hmm. I'm not some guru or some expert who's going to like give you all the answers. I mean, I can kind of share what has worked with other people and, and give you examples. But at the end of the day, you've got to fit um, what resonates with you. So um, and I think people find that really, I don't know if it's eye opening or re reassuring is probably yes. the better phrase of like, oh, yeah, I mean, I know I got this. I just need a little support. I just need a little bit of empathy and compassion. I need a little bit of kind of steering and guidance. But at the end of the day, my clients are all high achievers. They're smart. They're accomplished. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've got their answers and their solutions and skills sometimes buried under layers and layers of stress and fear and insecurity and neg sort of negligence. But it, it's already there. It's not like I'm creating something from scratch. I'm already I'm kind of tapping into um, what they already have. So being being open to change, being responsive to change, and also being open to understanding that the, the magic is within you, you know, almost like Glenda yeah. the Good Witch, you know, talking to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, you know, right. the magic was in you all along, you know, there um, go. it's it's almost helping them just creating a safe space. So you, you know, really they, are the fairy god mentor. You yeah. really are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, when you, you experience and, and you are too a, a fairy god mentor, you, we, I think it goes beyond coaching. You know, we, we fix careers, we grow leaders for a living. It's, it's seeing and reflecting back what we're, what we're witnessing. And I think yeah. clients don't even know that they have that magic within. So, you know, just being able to just reflect it back. Um, I think that's also something to help with that work burnout is understanding that secret sauce, that magical goodness that you have inside of you. Um, not only that, understanding the magic, but being able to say, you know what, I'm going to take this magic and take some vacation so that I can continue have, having this awesome magic. Yeah. Or maybe I need to take this magic somewhere else. Or maybe yeah. I can take this magic and create a wonderful project or, um, you know, idea that's going to save my organization thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. So um, being open and receptive to the magic that's within is also a way to, to uh, avoid that burnout. It's so important. It's, you know, you get so close to things that you can't really see out um, from beyond all of the work. So I appreciate those tips. Now, and speaking of oh, one more no, thing, so speaking yeah. of that, the other thing that I do is even though I'm kind and empathic and, and very generous and, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, compassionate, I'm also ruthless. Like oh, yeah. I, you have to be right. Because a lot of times people come to, to you with excuses and it's like, well, you've told me these excuses 17 times. And you said you're, you're, you know, kind of at the end of your rope, but you're not willing to change and you're not willing to do anything about it. Um, you know, sometimes if you have a really toxic culture or toxic boss who's like straight up harassing you or is just or just nasty all the time, even though if they're legally not harassing you, they're just mean. Mm -hmm. There's no amount of you can coach yourself to the moon, but sometimes you have to leave those kinds of situations. Yes. And yes. so my question often to people is, is this reality check of like, OK, this is what you said you wanted, but what are you willing to sacrifice for that? Like straight up and people are off. Some people have answers to that. And they're like, oh, I can take a pay cut and all that, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, other people are like completely taken aback by that question. It's like, what? Why do I have to sacrifice anything? I'm like, well, first of all, this is life. Mm -hmm. Anytime you make a change, 
you know, there's no perfect job. I mean, there might be, but they're few and far between. So what is it that you're willing to negotiate on and sacrifice? Sometimes it's money, but a lot of times, you know, is it commute? Is it a feeling of fulfillment and alignment? Like, you know, are you going to go work for another company that you don't believe in and you're going to make a ton of money and you're going to work crazy hours and you're going to be, you know, not spending time with your kids or, um, you know, significant others. So what are you willing to sacrifice? And what are you willing to sacrifice in the short term? Like, what are you willing to tolerate as you're changing? And then what are you willing to sacrifice in the long term? Um, I think if you talk to any, you know, one of the things I've I've listened to, like a lot of master classes and over the years and TED Talks, like a lot of these, you know, hyper, you know, elite athletes and, 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 and the visionaries, they've said, for my craft, I've had to sacrifice all these amazing other things in order to get to what I want. So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm now the number one tennis player and I still have the most amazing social life and I still, right. you know, uh, you know, vacation all the time. And I, no, it's like some of these things have to go in order yeah. to make space for this amazing thing I wanted. So the reality check is something I, I give to people if necessary. And that's important. No, it's so important to be realistic. You know, it's it's great to to say that you want to have aspirations, but there is a reality check and there are some sacrifices that may have to take place as you're thinking about next steps or staying or going. I, I don't like the whole, they, what is it called? Quiet quitting is now like they talk about quiet quitting yeah. and back in human resources, you know, 20 years ago, we used to say they quit and stayed there. Mm. The quiet quitting is not new. It's not yeah. a new concept, but I think now more than ever, people feel a little bit chained to their work experience or their work situation because they don't have the financial means to move or leave or, or um, try something out, you know, kind of get out of the, you know, take place of the great, in the great resignation. So, um, you know, it's important to look at the pros and the cons and have that reality check of, you know, you know, it's great that you're doing this, but you do need to, you you need to stay, maybe you need to sacrifice leaving, you know, that job for a minute, you might need to stay that reality check might be that you might need to stay for a few months to pad your uh, wallet before you take off. Um, So no, those are great. Great, great pieces of advice. One last question before I let you go. It's one of my favorite questions to ask my guests, but if you could share one or two career tips with the younger David, oh. what would they be? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's awesome. Um, the thing that comes to mind is patience and compassion. In other words, because I'm generally, you know, a person with, uh, I aspire towards high level of conscientiousness, I've always have even on the playground in elementary school through now, that core value, like those core values of trying to do good and be good for myself and for others, probably not going to change. If it hasn't changed in, you know, four decades, probably not going to change. Mm-hmm. So th- there's some solace or some comfort in knowing that if you if you stick to true to those sort of, right, some people call them North Stars, that everything else will, will eventually fall into place. It doesn't mean it's going to be all, you know, easy and, and sort of rosy, mm-hmm. but everything else will be, will, will be okay. If you, if you, if you focus on sort of the core values of being good to yourself and being good, good to others, you'll be good. So that, and then the other thing is I tend to be, I, I, I you know, I have these extremes where I'm very, very serious with my client work. Um, you know, I'm very, very serious with my business. Um, but then I'm actually a really, really silly guy outside of that. So I want to kind yes, of you are. infuse <laughs> infuse a lot more of that fun and joy and 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 silliness 
um, into my work, finding more of a way to to do that, um, I think uh, would have saved me a lot of headaches, you know, from that first job all the way through through now. So blending the, those two sides of myself a little bit more fully and integrating them in my business is, I think, going to be an awesome thing. So focusing on the other F word, fun, right? So <laughs> yes, I love it. I love that piece of advice to the younger you. Well, you know, I, it's been a joy. We have not seen each other since virtually since 2019, but we've been virtually keeping in touch with each other. You know, David Vioncheck, I am very excited to have you on the show. And I know that our listeners and viewers um, are just as excited about the gems that you dropped today. I'm going to drop all of the information about more information that you can find about David in the comment section. And if you like what you heard, or if you feel that someone else could hear this information, share it, subscribe, share and pass on the goodness, y'all. And thank you so much for listening to Career View Mirror. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Thanks so much, Joelle. It's been a pleasure. Oh. Thanks for being on.